0: Hello, so we are live for one hour with Helene Plion. Uh, she's a brilliant uh, geochemist uh, um, who travels in Brazil but uh, she's French and she, uh, her research is about the mangrove of Brazil and the pollution of the mangrove. I will of course uh, let her explain us what are these uh, alien ecosystems on earth and why they are so important for us. Uh, hello Helen. how are you?
1: <laughs> Fine, and you? <laughs>
0: And thanks. thanks for being my guest for, for this uh, live. It's very important to have you today. Um, let me just check some technical things to see if everything is good, if, if you are recording. Yes, everything is good. You know, There's always some, some stress when you launch some, this kind of event. Yeah, uh, yeah. So everything is perfect. So Ellen, uh, maybe we can talk about a little bit about uh, yourself to make you known to the audience to the audience and uh, and see uh, what was your motivation to become the scientist and researcher you are today um, maybe you can talk about a little bit about your childhood uh, do you have uh, this uh, science uh, thing around you or in you already when you were a child did, did you study things when you were in in kindergarten or is science something has uh, uh, came to you later, maybe at the end of the high school. What was your story?
1: Um, well, first, I will introduce a little bit myself. Uh, like, I'm, so I'm Helen, I'm 25 years old, and I'm currently doing a PhD, my first year of PhD. Mm-hmm. And about my background, um, science was always all around me because my two parents have a PhD, and mm-hmm. my mother is a researcher, but now she's more teacher in university, but she used to do research in biology, chemistry. And my father has a PhD and now he's engineer. And mm. my grandfather was a teacher of chemistry. Um, wow. so yeah, we are like a scientific family. I don't have many artists or many people studying literature. Um, but it has never been, um, uh, it has never been like, uh, something that my parents want me to do. Like they just talk about science because it was their job. But they never mm. told me, "Oh, science is super nice, and you have to do it." And mm. but I think it's because they were talking about science all the time, and it was their job that I was getting interested more and more and more about it.
0: So you were in uh, you you were immersed in this environment when you 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 heard them you uh, heard them talking about science, about their job, and and you were you were completely uh, immersed with their with their with their speaking and uh, and their work at home and etc.
1: Yes, but not only because also, I mean, they still make me discover other things. Because, for example, mm-hmm. I was reading a lot of books. Uh, I was taking theater classes. Um, so I still have other things to think about. But, yeah, it was mainly science. Because, for example, when my mom used to uh, take me with her in her job, well, I was seeing the student. I was seeing the chemistry things. So she didn't do it on purpose, but it was mm-hmm. in my head.
0: Uh, so, uh... You, you naturally uh, followed scientific studies uh, in in high school. I mean, uh, and then um, you, you were you were surely a, a good a good student. No. Uh,
1: yes. Um, first, I think the reason why I study sci- why, why I choose scientific studies, so back s as we was used to call it in France, um, it was not especially because my parents uh, told me to do it, but because like you have this thing in France this injunction about society which is like uh, you have to do back s if you're a good student you have to do back s else. else you're
0: closing doors mm. just let me explain what is back s back s is the the, the diploma at the end of the the high school uh, in baccalaureate it's called baccalaureate in france and we have three type of uh, or four type of baccalaureate the back s which is the scientific one and the other is for, lit- for those who are good in literatures and humanities and the third one in economics and sociology, and, uh, and there are others. But uh, the back S, the backs the, the baccalaureate scientific, is the one who open you the doors of the scientific studies, uh, engineering school uh, after.
1: And but not only, and I think this is a sad thing. Is like it seems for all people that it's open you all the door, and so mm-hmm. even if you're not interested in science, all my friends used to do back S because even if they didn't like science, but just because it's what good. People do, and I don't really like these things. But it was really how it used to be back then. Now I don't mm-hmm. know with the new 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 reform how it works. And about being a good student, yeah, I was I was a good student um, because I, I really like to I used to like to study a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, but uh, at school uh, I was um, I was really talkative. I, I talk a lot with my neighborhood, and uh, I was not like a the perfect student also. <laughs> And doing
0: a lot. I was always doing on um, my book. So uh, I see on your on your bio that you you enter at uh, Ecole Normale Supérieure, right? So it, it's a, it's a one maybe one of the best uh, higher education uh, school uh, after the the high school in France, uh, dedicated to science, but also in humanities. Um, they form the best scientific students in France, but uh, there are also other schools. Uh, and uni because I'm university guy, so also university you know, is a very good guy, don't, but, uh, Ecole Normale is very good. So you, you entered NS, but what, why NS? Did you, um, did you program yourself to, to target this school, or maybe you, you wanted to target, I don't know, others, engineering school, or why ENS in particular?
1: Um, so, uh, after high school, I didn't really know what to do. First, I was hesitating mm-hmm. between science and doing, because I really love to draw, I really love art. So I was dating between um, artistic career or science. And I chose like the easiest. For me, it was the easiest way because I was really. (laughs) Yeah, I know. That seems. But for me, it was like I was good at science and I was not working that much. And it was things Mm -hmm. were going well. So I knew that it will work. And whereas like art, because I have no artist in my family, it seems so Mm -hmm. unreliable It seems really like too much risk for me and I mean my mom told me you can do whatever you want and it's only me but with also this society that told you that artists are like it's never working and all this thing and you will not earn money and we. We'll... so with these things I chose science but I still like science mm. and then I chose preparatory classes because I didn't feel to go to university because university you're really alone like you have to work by your own and mm. I needed at 18, I think I was too young to be free. Like, I needed someone, <laughs> like a high, high school system, to tell me when to work, what to work, and what to study. And, and I really enjoyed this system because, yeah, mm. I think between 18 and 20, I, I was not ready to be autonomous. And then, ONS, I knew I wanted to do geology, because I, preferred geology and I oh, prefer geology so
0: at biology. So, so you already, you already have this taste for geology. Yes, yeah,
1: for me, was only geology that interests me, uh, mm. because, Geology, I like it because you have everything. You have math, yeah. biology, because it's Earth. So you have everything because you have everything on Earth. And um, so I and I think biology for me was really small things. There, I know you can study animal ecology, but I don't know. I used to like volcano mountains. And I was like, "Ooh, that's amazing. I want to know more about it, the moon, the planets. So geology seems really, um, it was fascinating for me. Mm. And so I've been to this preparatory class. Uh, which is the name is in French is BCPST Mm -hmm. because we are studying biology, geology, physics, chemistry, mathematics. So we're studying everything and I like to do a little bit of everything because Mm -hmm. the other preparatory class, it's like only math, only physics.
2: Yeah. More boring
1: for me. (laughs) And I wanted to enter a school of geology and there are not that that much. There are are a lot of school of biology, agronomy, veterinary school, geology not much. And so first I I spotted the, the school of Nancy, which was an engineering school, and then by talking with the teacher, they were like, "Oh, you're good. You should try the NS." And then mm-hmm. especially they told me that I would be paid for. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm not coming from a super rich family, so mm-hmm. we are four children. My mom raises alone with only one wage, which is not amazing. I mean, teacher, university, university are paid well, but for four children when you're alone, it's not amazing. So I was like, okay, it's better for her if I would be independent at 20, especially if I'm going to live in another city because we have to pay for the accommodation. and and So, yeah, I mean, I was more impressed by the money that the NS would give me than by the NS itself, but it's a really nice school. And
0: (laughs) And the campus is great. Uh, You know, I made a short postdoc there and, and the campus is really great, and you have a very good uh, environment. It's Enes Lyon, right, Lyon? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and Lyon yeah. is a
1: really nice city. Wonder, wonderful wonder,
0: wonderful uh, city also. But uh, And wh- where are you from? Uh, I mean, um, where Brittany. did you do your study? Your yeah, high school study? I'm
1: from Rennes in Britain, in in English. So okay. it's the northwest of France, and I was really excited to go to live for the southeast. Because for me, mm. it was the opposite. I was like, oh my God, there are mountains, <laughs> there will be snow in winter. And Mm. so, yeah, I was really glad to enter ENS. At the beginning, I was like just targeting, aiming for ENS, Paris or Lyon. And it was Lyon. So because geology only, there are four ENS, but you only have geology in two ENS, Ulm in Paris and Lyon. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have Ulm. I have Lyon. So I was like, okay, let's go for Lyon. And now I prefer the city of Lyon than Paris. Of course, Uh,
0: Lyon is the best city in the world. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I'm a Lyon
0: Lyon fan. Um, Maybe you can a little bit turn your computer because sometimes we have not. You Uh, put your. uh, No? Uh, Yep, perfect. You're on. Perfect. Um, Okay, so you entered at ANS, and in ANS, how how was the study? It was uh, generally studied, or you can specialize very early? Yeah,
1: in fact, I think when I chose it, I didn't really think a lot about this. I it was just like, okay, I have it. I will take it. Uh, I will be paid for. It's cool. It's nice. But in fact, mm-hmm. it was really a different choice of career because I give up on being engineer because NS, it's really science. It, for example, the school I was aiming, like, which was Nancy, it's really like, um, geology, but about mining, about oil, about all these things, which is like for engineering science, for profession. It's different. Mm-hmm. Industrial. It's industrial geology. And, now, now with uh, getting older, I know I wouldn't have liked it. So I'm really glad to have Ernest mm. Because Ernest as yes, the lesson was really more, it was more theory about geology. It was mm. more about just no, no industrial application. Like, for mm. example, I never studied oil. Never. Mm. We only studied uh, how the Earth was uh, formed, how the planets, uh, the soil, and it's really just pure science. And I yeah. like this. It's just like knowledge.
2: Mm-hmm
1: and no i really enjoyed my time there because it was like a small school with uh we are not that much so we have like good quality to learn good yeah good environment to learn to learn and it was really general that was maybe the issue because it was difficult then to choose what to do because like i had i mean we had like astronomy we had like ecology we had like paleontology so you have a little bit of everything but you're not getting specialized Hmm. So that's why I did my last year. I didn't do it at the ANS, I do it in Bretagne, uh, again and in the University of Rennes because mm-hmm. I wanted to study only soil, really to specialise. Because if I'm going to do a PhD I have to specialise and I studied and did,
0: on, So you did your, your master research in Brittany, right? To to get your specialization before you PhD?
1: Only the last year. I've done okay. um I've done the graduation. Graduation, it's how we call it in English, uh, license, graduation. Uh, license
0: is, let uh, me... Uh, bachelor, uh, no, bachelor. Yeah. Bachelor, bachelor,
1: yeah. bachelor yeah,
0: is a, done, for the first two years.
1: Yeah, so bachelor is three years in France. So I've done yeah, my okay. first two years in preparatory classes. And my then I entered the UNS and I've done the last year of bachelor in the UNS. And I've done the first year of the master in UNS. And then mm-hmm. for the second year, I did it in Rennes. You can do this. You can do you can split your master. That's weird but you can.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure.
1: And and then when NS it's in four years. So I've mm-hmm. done one last year in the but not in the NS. It was only internship. So I've done two internships. Mm-hmm. So that was really nice because I could practice work before doing a PhD.
2: So mm-hmm.
1: really a nice things because it's something that university doesn't have. In university you have master and directly PhD. So yep. you, you don't have many time to think about Oh did I like my internship? Did I really want to study this three years? And to have one more year in the NS, it's really nice because you can do two more internships. It's like I had three master internships, you see. <laughs> so it was more time to think about my PhD and really nice.
0: Great. And how did you uh, think about doing research? Because when you are when you are graduate from uh, Ecole Normale Supérieure uh, (ENS), uh, usually uh, you know the, the 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 royal route is to become a teacher in high school. You know, with aggregation. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know even how how even the, the this diploma is is named in English. It's a very particular diploma in yeah, France nice. that opened the door for teaching in high school. Um, so let's say ne- nearly eighty percent of ANS graduates end teaching high school, which is a, for me a, a craziness because when you when the nation put a lot of money to produce these elites, we want them to do science, uh, research, scientific science, and doing uh, discovering things and and doing patent and just creating stuff. This is my political momentum. <laughs> so, um, but great. So you 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 choose uh, to to do uh, scientific research. How did you? how did you how this opportunity came to you and and how did you decided to to pursue into a phd because uh, it's not uh, common you know particularly among other uh, ens uh, students mm,
1: no phd is quite common in us no I, I would say i didn't know this figure there is 80% of People teaching?
0: This is my (laughs) exaggeration. No, because I am from the southeast of France, so I'm exaggerating.
1: (laughs) I'm doing my PhD in Toulon, close to Marseille, right now, so I can tell, yes. (laughs) And uh, I would say, when I sing my friends and I was seeing the older people or the younger one, I would say half, half, because many people are attending the contest of aggregation. But many of them not, are not using it after. Or mm. at least they are delaying it. And then they are doing a PhD. And they will after the PhD, they will teaching.
2: Mm.
1: Many, mm, I would say, I, I don't have the figure. Mm. But when I see people, I would say like 80% of the students of the UNS are doing a PhD, in fact. So um, it's, it's,
0: great. it's great to hear
1: that. Yeah, yeah right now. But I'm, I'm not sure they will pursue in research. Because mm. many people are doing a PhD and then stop research. Yeah. So I don't know if they will still be silent But like, for example, all of, all of my friends almost right now are from the NS are doing a PhD. And no, I mean, the NS is kind of pushing you uh, doing a PhD like they have special grants. So mm-hmm. it's easier to do a PhD when you're from the NS than from the university because I didn't have to, I mean, I had the grant. I didn't have to go to attend a contest. Mm-hmm. I, called Hala. I didn't have to do it. I had the grant. So that's really, mm-hmm. that's really amazing because, for example, I mean, when you're from the university, you have to, um, I mean, it's the uh, the scientist, your future supervisor will choose you because mm-hmm. he has the money and he will choose you. But in the NS we have the money, so I choose yeah, my it,
2: yeah.
1: and for me that's a huge difference, really huge difference. Because if things are going wrong, I will have to blame my blame myself, you know. <laughs> and I choose him. <laughs> and so that's that gave me more freedom for my subject. Uh, so that was really, really cool. So you know, the UNS is giving every tools for you do a PhD, they're pushing you to do a PhD. And I was not really sure about doing one because I like science, but I'm not I'm not a huge fan of science. Like, I really like it, but it's not... I don't know, there are other things in life that I, I love, you know, so I was not, like, 100% sure. But I had this opportunity, and I was like... So I had this freedom of choosing my supervisor, and I was like, okay, if I don't find anyone that I match with, uh, like, his personality, not only his scientific side, but also his personality... If the subject doesn't, uh, if I don't feel to work on this subject, I mean, if I find nothing that really uh, light a fire in me, I will not do a PhD. I will do something else. I was like, okay, I, will, I won't do a PhD. And then I found this PhD, I found this subject, I found Stefan, which is my supervisor, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm interesting. I want to try. So. So,
0: so this yeah. is how you enter into the world of of, of research. Uh, yeah. So let's just, let us remind uh, your lab. Uh, your affiliation lab so it's um, in, in, in is... marine environmental chemistry at the mediterranean institute of oceanography of marseille southeast of france uh, and your phd supervisor we can maybe yes, uh, salute them because i see there are two right
1: uh yeah because i'm doing a phd co-supervised, co-supervised between Brazil and france so the oh, one okay. who is in france and is well, the lab, is, the lab is located in Marseille, but we have like um, another lab in Toulon, and I'm, I'm living in Toulon.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so Stéphane, uh, my supervisor, Stéphane Mounier, is working in Toulon. And the other supervisor is uh, Roseanne Marins, which is living in Brazil. She's Brazilian, and she's living in Fortaleza, uh, which is a city in northeast Brazil. And so we can say... So bon
0: I have to to correct that because on your on your presentation on I, I wrote it I wrote uh, Stefan Munier and Christophe Panagiotopoulos. So I will correct ah. that. You, will, you will, I don't know where I found this. I I think yeah, I found funny, it yeah. on your web on the website of the of the of the your lab. So I will correct that. Just just okay. send me the right. Yeah,
1: uh, too, but uh, I'm not working with him. But he's he's from the lab also, but in Marseille. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so it's, it's a mistake. Uh, it's my mistake. Yeah, I, I would. <laughs> So great! Um, w- uh, what was uh, the the year you entered? The, the...
1: I've been six months now. It was uh, yeah, six months and a half. It was uh, end of October, beginning of November. Oh, so it's
0: quite fresh. Okay, so yeah, like now I'm half of the first year. And uh, let me explain because you have a dream life because when as soon as you put your your, your feet in the lab they send you in Brazil, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, right. I love it. Well, <laughs> that was kind of a bit creepy. at uh not at the beginning because um yeah three three weeks after i arrived in toulon so i didn't even know toulon because i'm from the north mm. north i don't know many things about the celsius and i just arrived in toulon and three weeks later they put me in a plane <laughs> and said, oh, go to see brazil but i was with my supervisor i didn't speak a word of portuguese back then and it was only for two weeks to just see how is life in northeast brazil which is different from france obviously well, closer to Marseille than to North, I mean, South of France looks more like Brazil than North of France, so I had a, um, yeah, uh, I had a view before, and um, and then I came back to Toulon, and uh, right now I'm in Brazil, it's been two months, I'm in Brazil, and I'm, in, I'm here for three months, and yeah, I, April, May, June in Brazil to study the mangroves.
0: Great, Fantastic. So maybe we can start the presentation. You you, you prepared us something to show about the mangroves, uh, and it's really fascinating because there are uh, literally an alien ecosystem on Earth, and very important for for for, for many things. And we'll let you explain us that. Uh, so you can share the screen if you wish. You have the button at the at the you know just like Zoom. You have the button to share the screen.
1: Okay, yeah, I will. but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy because like I was really interested in this subject because I didn't know anything about mangroves, in fact. Mm-hmm. Like six months before, I didn't speak Portuguese, I didn't know anything about Brazil and mangroves, and it's mm-hmm. really nice, you know, like to see that just, just only in six months how I learned that much <laughs> things about this country, this language, and this mangroves. So
0: we don't have uh, mangroves uh, at the at the coast of Brittany, so. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's it's why I have to go to Brazil. Yeah. When people ask me why are you going to Brazil, I was like, "Hey, there is no mangroves in Europe." <laughs>
0: okay, you see. Uh, yep. Uh, so, you see? Uh, if, if you don't mind, I would maybe interrupt you uh, during the presentation, maybe to to ask you to precise or to 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 to, the, yeah. to vulgar to um, popularize a little bit, you know, uh, some some terms uh, so people can understand what you, because it's quite technical. Maybe uh, so. If you allow me to interrupt you.
1: yeah. Uh, so I, I won't. I think I won't see you, so we have to speak because I won't see you because we have only my presentation. So you have, you see, because mm-hmm. um, uh, like, like right now, I don't see you anymore. So don't raise your hand. Yeah,
0: interrupt me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Is it good uh, right now?
0: Yes. Okay.
1: Um,
0: the guy so... in the water is not you huh? because he, he has a bird.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, It's it's the husband of my supervisor in Brazil. So I'm, I'm working with him also because um, they are working together, and yeah, it's really nice. <laughs> um, so yeah, hi everybody. My name is <laughs> Ellen, and um, my my PhD subject: special contamination of mangroves and carbon storage in Serra, Brazil. First, let's let me introduce a little bit. my... oh ah, no, no, because yeah, at the beginning we talk about that. <laughs> we directly talk about mangroves. Yes, this one. Okay. <laughs> um, Well, I'm Helen, I'm 25 years old, and right now it's my first year of PhD, and a PhD in France is three years. So I will have three years working on this subject. So first I will explain what is a mangrove, because it's not an ecosystem that we know in Europe, because there is no mangrove in Europe, because it's a tropical ecosystem. A mangrove, uh, it's a word that can include else only the trees that are in this ecosystem, or oh, it can it's an, can be a word for all the ecosystems, so the soil, uh, the animals living there, crabs, bacteria. Uh, so I will more refer to the ecosystem in my PhD uh, because I'm yeah I, I prefer to, I'm, I'm not a biologist. I'm not studying the tree, so I, I will name it as the ecosystem. Mangroves are trees and species adapted to tropical intertidal zones. So intertidal it means that it's, this ecosystem is regularly flooded by the sea. So it's an ecosystem which is always along the coast and the tide sometimes is, so is rising and will, um, flood all the sediments, all the tree. And sometimes, uh, it will not when it's below tide. So this is important and it can be, so it's always along the coast and sometimes you have a river that, uh, also through the mangroves. So it will be in an estuary and sometimes not. But in my PhD, I'm only studying mangroves with a river. So that's important because I will have, because the water that uh, will flood uh, the, the sediments will be a mix between, um, wa- between sea, salted water, and uh, water without sea, river water. So uh, water without salt, river water. So that's important. And, and as you can see in the picture, and you will see in the picture later, Has has this ecosystem is regularly flooded by the sea, it's special ecosystem. So you can see like that these trees have special roots because due to this um immersion. And so why studying mangroves? Why is it important? Because mangroves represent less than 0.2% of the land worldwide. So that's that's kind of (laughs) nothing compared to the other lands. But it's a really important ecosystem because it's a transitional ecosystem, the sea and the land. It's um yeah, so I will explain point by point why it's important. First, uh it maintains water quality because have you can see on the picture here, uh with the roots, um it's trapping sediments. That's one of the that one of the most uh important points of mangroves is like uh in mangroves where there is a river crossing mangroves. River is bringing a lot of nutrients, a lot of organic matter, a lot of things. And, um, mangroves roots are um, acting like a trap. They're trapping everything that goes through. And so it's not going to the sea. It's like a place where sediments and metals and pollution and nutrients are captured. So that's, so that means that the water from the river, uh, when it will go, uh, to the sea will be like cleaner because mangroves are retaining it's also human protection for the same reason, for the same trapping reason. Um, and one of the most uh, important example is hurricane, tropical hurricane, because mangroves are a tropical ecosystem, and in tropics you have hurricane. And for example, in India, I, I think it was in the nineties, um, there was like a huge hurricane, and you have a lot of village, and the village that were the less damaged uh, were the one uh, sheltered by mangroves. Because mangroves just act like a, like a like as a wall, like as a barrier, because it just breaking the waves and, and just yeah, uh, it will decrease the intensity of uh, the energy bring by the hurricane or the waves and all this. So it's protection. It's also a place of high biodiversity because like it's a unique ecosystem, unique trees, unique soil. So it it uh, shelters biodiversity that you will find only in mangroves. Because to live in the mangroves, you have to be in, for the species, you have to, to adapt uh, salty water, that sometimes there is water, sometimes not, it's really salty, there is not many oxygen, because when you have like this immersion, uh, there is not many oxygen in the soil, and yeah, it's, it's like between sea and land, so it's really special, so we, we will find species that you can find only in mangroves. It also protects, uh, protects the coast from erosion, uh, for the same reason that it protects from hurricane, because uh, just by uh, acting like a barrier and as mangroves is trapping sediments it's like yeah just a trap of sediments and it's a barrier break waves so for this reason uh, it's more difficult to remove sediments uh, from a mangrove than from a soil without trees um, so it's nice and especially with climate change we involve sea with sea level rise uh, mangroves will diminish uh, the effect of sea level rise. It's, well, talking about like a society point of view, it supports offshore fisheries because mangrove is a really important ecosystem, not for all the life of some species, but at least for part of the life, uh, for nursery, for production. It's really important. Like, I don't remember the exact figure, but like more than 50% of some species in the ocean at one part of their life, they will go to mangroves, for to doing something. They, they depend on mangroves because mangroves, like, especially the mangroves with the river that I'm studying, like, you have so much nutrients brings back, brings by the river and the mangrove is trapping these nutrients. Just fish, uh, come to feed in this area and they know that also for the baby, for the nursery, it's a good place because it's calm, like the mangroves are breaking waves. So it's a really calm ecosystem, uh, to reproduce, to have baby and all these things. So yes, some species just cannot reproduce in the ocean. It's not safe. They cannot raise babies in the ocean. It's not safe. So it's really important, uh, even if yes, yeah, so you can find one species in the ocean in the deep ocean, and in fact, this species need mangroves. And there are also cultural aspects, just considering humans. Uh, it's first just for living, it's providing woods, which is a good woods for traditional habitats. There are a lot of herb- um, of medicinal herbs, all these things. And also for religion, cultural, for tradition, it's important. Just part of the culture. It's like me in Brittany, uh, I need this beach from Brittany. You know, I don't want people to remove it. It's part of my culture. So it's important. And last reason, last but not least, like just because it's beautiful and we don't need more reasons to just protect the nature and protect the uh, animals and, and species. Absolutely. Here this I like this picture of mangroves because here you can see why it traps things. I think it's kind of obvious how it breaks waves, how it protects from er- how it prevents from erosion, how it protects from hurricane. Uh yeah, mangroves is like it's a nest, it's a trap, it's like everything is different. If you have no tree, no mangroves, everything will be different, you know. Just be sea with waves and, and here it's totally different. And one important thing is like um in mangrove it's not soil, it's not soil. Because soil, the definition of a soil is like when the rocks below the soil are getting eroded, and it, it's forming the soil. The soil, like the soil, is from form itself from below, and here it's sediments. It's sediments, so it's different because it's forms from what the river will bring. So it's from from the outside. I don't know if you understand the difference. Sure. Yeah, because it's really, it's really important because, uh, I'm studying sediments. I'm not studying the soil. I'm studying sediments. So what you can see here, it's sediments. It's everything is brought by the river, by like the wind, by inputs from the outside. And it's not erosion of rocks. Mm. So that's important. And I'm studying this, what you can see is a dark thing, which is really smelly. You can smell it from here. But when I'm in mangroves, it's really smelly. <laughs> and yeah, in fact, the fact that it's smelly, it's one of the reasons why mangroves have been, uh, destructed all over uh, the history. It's like swamps in, swamps in Europe. It's because it was known to be a smelly place, which a lot, with a lot of disease, like, yeah. And so people, uh, used to destroy a lot of mangroves for this reason, reason, because it seems unsafe. And so, yeah, now I'm going to talk about the threats. Uh there are of course many threats to mangrove forests. Uh in Brazil uh urbanization is an um, important threat because in Brazil all the big city except Brasilia are along the coast. It's like I mean the inland of the country there are not that much people living because it's climate really hard, different and it's easier to live along the coast. But along the coast there are mangroves, so mangroves has been destroyed uh to build city. Also, mangroves are threatened by all the pollution inputs uh, due to industrialization, due to agriculture and shrimp farming. Shrimp farming is also really... Because in Brazil, uh, it's a country that produces a lot of shrimp and shrimp need mangroves to grow. The shrimp farming are close to the mangroves because they need this kind of ecosystem. But shrimp farming, to grow the shrimp, um, we are putting a lot of uh, nutrients, but too much nutrients. And then, when, I don't know if you know how works shrimp farm, but they fill the basin with water, water from the mangrove. And then when they want to collect the shrimps, they will remove the water and just the water will go back to the mangrove. But it's not the same water, you know, they have put many things inside. So that's why it really damaged the mangrove. That's why. And in fact, oh, I have a picture, I, I forget about it. I take it recently, but you will find it interesting. See what, what shrimp farming are doing to mangrove. Uh, here, you see, do you see it? Yes?
0: Uh, no. Ah, you don't mm-hmm.
1: see it right now? Ah. Maybe I will have, I can do, because, yeah, uh, I take this recently. Um,
2: Maybe you
0: can try to, to re-share the screen with the yeah. new.
2: Yeah, the, yeah, OK. Yeah, hi.
1: Ah. Here, this one, you see?
0: Yes. Uh, well, you, you need to double click on the on the image.
1: Ah, uh, I did, but ah, <laughs> la, 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 that's, that's a, a sharing screen. I'm not very really good oh, at the... this. Um, yeah, I will. Oh, yeah, I think I will. I will just share my screen. In fact, because uh, now you could see every... Okay, I think now you see it.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Okay, so that's a mangrove damaged by shrimp farming because the water released by the shrimp farming will be rich in nutrients, but too much, too much nutrients, we call this eutrophication, uh, and it's like, so it's not good for the mangrove. it's not what they are used to. So below, you can see a uh, healthy mangroves behind, behind you can see a healthy mangrove. you see, more green, mm-hmm. and this is close to a shrimp farming, and you see like the mangrove is dead. That's, mm-hmm. I love this picture because you can see everything, uh, healthy mangroves behind, and this one which is just dead. So that's in Brazil. I took this picture two weeks ago, and that's in Brazil. And it it's, happened. It,
0: it's yeah. impressive, and, and there is a shrimp farm uh, in, for, in in front of the, the dead yeah, Era, right? Yeah, in front
1: of cannot see because it's difficult, but it's like basin uh, lakes, and there yeah, it's like just the other side of the river. You have a shrimp mm-hmm. farm, and yeah. I I collected sediments. So I will study the sediments of this area. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, I have no results yet, but I will. Study these spots and compare with the healthy mangroves to see what is the difference in the sediment.
0: Okay. Yes. Uh, so you, are, you... I, I re-reshared I your your slide deck.
1: You see it now. Yep.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So okay. Uh, so yeah, shrimp farming and in Brazil. So I don't really know worldwide because I'm telling only Brazil, but in Brazil it's really one of the most reason why mangroves are threatened. So you can stop eating shrimp if you want, <laughs> 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 but no, yeah, it's it's a joke, but uh, it's it's really a problem here. And other other issue are like damming, uh, because damming is just for like me, I'm studying mangroves with a river, and when you have a dam, uh, the inputs are different, the water flow is different, so of course it changes uh, how the ecosystem is working and well deforestation obviously you know why it's a problem mm-hmm. <laughs> and tourism of course because if you have too many people working in the mangroves uh, if you think in so you want people to yeah to enjoy more the mangroves well mangrove is not a place for tourism difficult mm-hmm. it's like possible too so yeah this led to at least ecological disturbance or eradication i mean if you have deforestation and contamination which is a point that interests me because it's something contamination it's something you cannot really see uh, except for the shrimp farming, but you cannot really see contamination, but it exists and it has an impact on all the life of the mangroves. So this is what I'm studying, special contamination of mangroves and carbon storage in Brazil. So contamination, I'm focusing on metal. Uh, you can study other things, um, plastic, other things, but you have to choose, so maybe it's metal. Uh, so metal.
0: Maybe there is also another point uh, to, to to say why uh, studying mangroves uh, is important because uh, it's in your title is carbon storage you didn't mention it into into the point uh but uh, what i what i learned about it is that uh, the mangrove can uh, can storage can capture and storage a third third more time or even more co2 than the tropical forest of the yes. of the of the inland uh, yes. of the amazonian inland so it's, it's very impressive
1: yeah, yeah. In fact, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I didn't mention it to us. It. Effectively, uh, it's obvious for my subject, but yeah, yeah. Indeed, uh, mangroves uh, with the actual context of trying uh, to carbon emission. Yeah, mangroves can capture capture a lot of carbon, and that's yeah. the point of my PhD to study how much, to study how pollution we change this carbon storage or. And yeah, in fact, it
0: wasn't the most important uh, point. Sorry, just just to continue on this point because it's very important. You know, I have some uh, kind of debate, funny debate with other scientists, and you know, they say that this uh, the, the emission of CO two is, is a major issue, etc. for climate change. And you know, people like me who are a little bit fun say, okay, just let just let, just just let uh, plant some trees. Uh, but I say it on a, on a, on, a, on a joke way, you know and they told usually they tell me okay but it's it's not enough it's not in, it's it's inefficient to cap the, the 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 production of CO2 of CO2 but what is interesting here uh that um is the mangrove can actually be a solution you know uh, if if maybe one day we can even uh i don't know if it's possible to to plant you know to seed mangrove and uh, but this is another discussion but uh, it could be uh, could be part of the solution
1: yeah, actually, in some countries, such as Southeast Asia, they are doing some campaign to plant again uh, mongroves, to mm-hmm. reference mangroves, uh Yeah, to get back all that good thing that mangroves used to bring. So, yes. Uh, and yes, I mean, it's better than nothing. But, you know, scientists will always say many things. Um, for me, everything is better than nothing. And also, well, that's another debate. But um, our scientists have their own point of view. Mm.
2: and
1: also is that because they are scientists that why they they are saying is true you know they are still human beings they are not objective nobody can mm-hmm. be objective nobody is natural so sometimes i'm just um for me planting tree is still better than nothing well one point that is true is like it's not the same thing planting again will never uh restore what used to be for example mm. uh in brazil a girl asked me Oh, but Amazonian forest—if you are destroying it and then planting again—will be the same thing. And I was like, no, yeah. this this forest is like really old, and you don't have the same property in old forests. In one thousand forests, doesn't have the same um um does not function the same way than a young forest, yeah, especially yeah. for mangrove. It's true when a mangrove forest is like one hundred years old, it's not the same property of storing carbon of the soil. The sediments is not the same than a yeah. mangrove forest, which is like ten years old. So Mm -hmm. that's the issue of planting again, you know. But it's still Mm -hmm. better than having no tree. It's still better. So it's, yeah, I mean, just different. Because just a little bit, talk about this. Uh, Funny things like in all people studying pollution, when you hear people studying pollution, they will all say to you that they are studying, the that the pollution they are studying is the most important. Someone studying <laughs> plastic will say, no, the real problem in the world is plastic. Someone studying mercury we say, no, it's mercury. And I would say, no, it's carbon emission, but just, you know, it's human. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'm not <laughs> saying that Mumbai is the best thing on the, on, on the world. It's just like the thing I'm studying, so that's mm. enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, um, this point about carbon storage, especially uh, about my PhD, is like the uh, hypothesis, his main goal is like, There is global warming, so the sea level is going to rise, mangroves are getting eroded, and so what is going to be lost? I mean, we are going to lose sediment in the sea? What's going to happen? Are we going to lose a lot of carbon? Are we going to lose a lot of pollution, metal? So yeah, that's that's the goal of my PhD, uh, trying to assess what is downstream the mangrove, what is upstream, to know what we're going to lose. Uh, So you can see here on this uh, nice drawing, um, downstream so this is a mangrove with a river you have the river you have the sea you have the tide going along the river when it's high tide and you can divide the mangroves in three points downstream middle upstream and I'm studying uh, sediments and organic matter along these three points and my hypothesis is like I think I hope I will see that it, I think there will, there is a difference of organic matter I think the mangrove is not the sediment of the mangrove I think it's not homogeneous along this gradient, you know, because here, here you, um, I mean, yeah, no, I just, that's the hypothesis. And I think also that if the organic matter is different, like organic matter is known to complex with metal, is known to, yeah, to, to retain metal. So I think like if we have a different organic matter upstream and downstream, we have a different capture of pollution. So I wonder, uh, or metals, or are, are there more metal here, here? It depends. It depends on the organic matter. So that's, that's my opinion. <coughs> and my PhD is supervised in Brazil, uh, so you have mongroves in Africa, in South Asia, you have mongroves everywhere in the tropics, oh. but I'm studying Brazil, oh. and I'm, I'm in the laboratory that's in, in Serra, which is northeast Brazil, so it's see this part of Brazil, and my laboratory is located in Fortaleza, which is the main city of the state, federal capital of the state. Fortaleza, here is Fortaleza, a nice picture I took. We have like amazing uh, sunsets <laughs> each day at 5 p.m. because it's tropics and the sunset always at the same time. And Fortaleza is the fifth biggest city of Brazil. So it's important. It's like 2,500,000 um, inhabitants. And it's sheltering uh, inside the city. It's shattering. it's one five hundred. Uh, 1.500, well, no, one, 1. 1.5 hectares of mangroves. So there is a human impact of on this mangrove. Obviously, you have 2 million people living around this 1 hectare of mangroves. So of course, there is a huge impact and I'm studying this. Um, how I'm going to do? Well, I'm studying three mangroves. Um, I will use them later. Three mangroves that are different. They, humans have, well, Humans have a different impact on these three mangroves, so I will compare this impact. And so I'm studying the organic matter and how. Uh, first, by collecting organic matter in sediments upstream, middle, downstream on each mangrove. But I'm studying also at different depths. That's important because I mean sediments in the mangrove. The depth is like more than one meter. So I'm collecting at different depths because I also want to see some temporal evolution. Mm. Because, for example, uh, if I remember well, but like. Uh, one meter of sediments, hundreds of years. So I can have like an historical evolution to see how pollution evolves and to see, yeah, just a profile. Because if I'm studying only in surface, it's like only studying one year of the mongrel's life. So that's not really interesting. And then I will, with the, in the laboratory, with, with the instruments, I'm studying carbon, nitrogen, sulfur contents. I can also with techniques like fluorescence, um, I can, uh, describe more the organic matter. I can say what kind of type is it? Is it like, a aromatic organic matter? Does this organic matter comes from, come from, uh, the land, come from the, is, oce- uh, come from the ocean, come from bacterial? Like, you can do a lot of things just with all this funny scientific type stuff. And the other point is characterizing metal presence with different techniques and, yeah studying uh, the complexation. Uh, to describe more Brazil, because it's really important for the mangroves and for my first trip, because when I'm coming to Brazil, I'm coming in different season. So, Ceará is tropical climate. Uh, so, it's like two seasons. You have a rainy season between January and July. So, for example, today I was, I, I, I'm going to walk by walking and it was raining. So, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I, I get wet uh, going to the, to the walk. And, and then you have this dry season where, like, there is no rain from August to December. So this is really important for the, uh, for how the mangroves will work. Because even for the sediments, I think you can see, I don't have all my results yet, but I think you can see through the season, uh, you can see an evolution in the sediments. For example, when it's the rainy season, you have, when it's the rainy season, the river, you have a lot of inputs because the river is, like, bigger, you have a lot of water. So you have a lot of sedimentation, a lot of inputs. Whereas when it's the dry season, uh, you have, um, you have um, how can I say, um, the ocean will be more important because mm-hmm. the river will be smaller. So it's the sediment bring by the ocean that will be more important. Uh, another effect of this dry and wet season is like um, when it's uh, the dry season, uh, the sediments are drier. So there are cracks in the sediments. So oxygen will penet- will penetrate deeper. Because when it's a wet season, the soil is really wet and it's really, like, drawn. When Mm. the soil is drawn, you have no oxygen. It's reductive condition. It's really different. So you have no oxygen, so bacteria will will live differently without oxygen. It will be a different metabolism. It will be different. And then in dry season, you have oxygen. So, mangroves, during the year, you have different ways of functioning during the year in mangroves. And then climate change, how it is evolving here. Uh, Well... First, also a funny things, and I really sometimes don't understand human. It's funny because when I'm talking with Brazilian, some people will say, oh, it's been years that it's raining more and more and more. And also will say, oh, no, there is no more rain. So when you talk with people, you don't know. Like, sometimes they will say to you, there is way much more rain than it used to be. And sometimes they will tell you, there is no more rain anymore. So, well, you have to study the facts, like, natural, So not listening to much human, but just seeing uh, the evolution with the data we had, it looks like it's decreasing and of, in average, 5.3 millimeters per year. But I think it's important to consider, but you see this graph. This graph is like just data, Mm -hmm. data from Meteo. But it's only from fifty years old. This is not a long-term study. I mean, climate—you don't talk about climate in small area. You see, when you talk about climate, it's one hundred years old at least. I mean, meteo is daily, annually, but climate—it's for more years. And for me, fifty years old is—you can't talk about climate. So that's, that's complicated. Also, you can see there is like huge variability. For example, the year the year uh, nineteen eighty-six mm. was the most rainy year in. From 1960 to 2025, 2005, you know, so mm-hmm. that's the process. It's an average. So there is a high variability and also, um, important point in South America. South America is strongly influenced by El Nino, which is a meteorological concept about linked to Pacific Ocean. It's complicated. I won't explain right now. I'm not even sure we'll know how to explain, but El Nino is, is like Gulf Stream, you know, in Europe. It's, it's an important meteorological thing. And currently, people don't know how El Niño will evolve with climate change. It's really difficult to predict. It's really uh, unstable, and El Niño is driving climate in Sierra as well. So you cannot forecast how climate will evolve in Sierra if you don't know how El Niño will evolve. So that's difficult, to really, forecast how things evolve. Also, uh, this is in Sierra, and Sierra is big. Sierra is I show you on a, I mean in the map, uh for example, if you want to cross all the states it will take more than ten hours. So Sierra is big, it's like France, you know. So it's hard to assess one climate only in the Sierra States because for example, also there is a huge difference between the coast, the climate along the coast and the climate inland. And mangroves are along the coast and you so that's difficult because you have like some local effect. For example so yeah. Right now, I think we cannot tell if the rain is decreasing. It's hard to say.
2: Mm.
1: And so here, here are the three mangroves I'm studying. So the name is Rio koku Rio Pavoti, Rio Jaguaribe. And so, difference between these three mangroves. Um, Rio Coco is really inside the city. Like, you have a supermarket in the mangroves. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that that that's, that's, that. That's the main point. Uh, so it's really inside the city, and that you have the tree and it's beautiful. I mean, it's a mangrove, and uh, the main impact is the city sewage input, city influence. Rio Pacote is more outside of city. It's like in the um, yeah, in the side of the city, so it's less impacted uh, from this mangrove. It's the, kind of the most cleanest one, and then you have Rio Jaguaribe, which not in Fortaleza. It's like close to, for Brazilian it's closed, for French it's not closed, it's like only 3-4 hours from cars you know, so but it's still close to Fortaleza and the main impact is the shrimp farms, so the picture with this forest, uh, with this shrimp forest uh, i show you, was has been taken in Rio Jacobybe so the most, the main impact is not city is like farms, agriculture, shrimp so I will, studying 3 different mangroves, I will study 3 different contaminations uh, I will show you uh, quickly in this presentation my first results. Uh, I've done a field trip when I was in November, uh, when I was in Brazil in November 2022. Uh, I've done a field trip where I studied only Coco River and Pacoti River. Um, I didn't yet, uh, back then I didn't study Jaco Oribe. I studied uh, in March, so that's different. And I was in Brazil during the dry season, so that's important, it was a dry season. Right now, I'm in Brazil during the wet season, so I will then compare uh, this season, uh, because I did other things. So you can see the mangrove. So you see, Coco River is really in the city. It's like crossing the city. Whereas River is close to, but it's not crossing the city. The, the river is coming from further. You see? Mm-hmm. So, um, different impact. Uh how did I conduct my field trip? So I just collect sediments, so just in, in bag I collect sediments at the surface surface which is like between zero and five centimeter depth and then more in depth I dig and I collect sediment at twenty centimeter depth. And so at three points, downstream, middle, up trim. And I also sampling the river water to study yeah, both sediment and river. And then I've done analysis, so carbon, nitrogen, sulfur, which is like organic matter elemental composition. And then I've done fluorescence and UV spectrometry, which is like technique that's using the property of organic matter um, regarding light. I mean, yeah, I won't explain it right now because I think it's not that much important and that, that organic matter has properties. And if. Yeah, you can know more about organic matter if you use these techniques about how it will reflect light, how, it, yeah, how we will have fluorescence and all this. So it can allow me to have more accurate analysis to specify the type of organic matter, just to be more accurate. So here are the first results. So you can see to the left, Cocoa River. To the right, it's Pacochi River. So careful, it's not the same scale. You see, Cocoa River range from 0 to 30% of total carbon in my organic matter. Uh, Pakoti River range from 0 to 7. So I put the line here of Pakoti maximum carbon content, you see? Mm-hmm. So you can see the river upstream has way much more carbon. When it's full, it's at surface. When it's like these things, it's like depth, in depth. Upstream, middle, downstream. So first, the first thing we can see is like there is an abnormal content of carbon here, upstream for Cocoa River. Because the average for healthy mongroves is 2%. Takoti is kind of normal for upstream and middle, at both depths and surface. At downstream, it's a little bit higher, but can be normal. I mean, it's an average. But definitely, this 15% of total carbon is not normal. It's not natural. So there is a pollution. And I think it's due to sewage, because there is not a real treatment of sewage in Fortaleza. So it's just all this carbon due to human organic matter. Mm. here. Yeah. Then, another really important point is like you have a different, different dynamic of carbon because you can see that for, uh, Cocoa River, Cocoa Mangrove, carbon is decreasing when you go back, when you're going closer to the sea. So you have less carbon downstream than upstream. And for Pakoti, it's the opposite. So that's really interesting for the sea river rise and erosion because it means that Pakoti will be more affected by the erosion. Because you will lose you will lose you will lose more carbon for pacote than for cuckoo, you see? So that's an important point uh for this global change uh global change. And last thing is like if we're comparing between surface and depth, you can see that with this error bars that it's not really significant the difference for pacote. Uh you kind of have the same amount of carbon, surface and depth. So that can mean different things, but for me, maybe it could mean that there is a slow decomposition. So that's the carbon storage. Because if you have the same amount of carbon at the surface and at depth, it means that there is not a huge um, bacterial decomposition. Or at mm. least if there is, you still have carbon in the mangrove. So there is a carbon storage. So that's extremely interesting. Except for cocoa, whereas like you have this uh, amount of pollution in the surface, and then in depth, you see, so there is a huge decomposition between surface and depth. Uh, which means that the this pollution this carbon brings back the human is easily decom decomposable uh, which is a characteristic of this organic matter coming coming from sewage sewage so that's 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 kind of uh logical
0: so um maybe i'm I'm going too too far and you are you are sh- surely talk about it uh, the source of this carbon is uh, is it maybe fecal uh, f- uh, exflu of of the city or something like that or
1: I think so. I think it is... Uh, <laughs> I can tell by the smell when I was in the mangrove, <laughs> but I think it's not, not only this, but mainly because there is sewage input. I don't mm. know yet uh, what is a part of this sewage input, but there is definitely uh, this fecal, yeah, from toilet, from everything from Fortaleza, and especially because this, well, fecal is really easily decomposable, so that mm. would be logical. But I think there is also input from industry, from other things. Uh, so it's a bit of, but I think it's an important part here yeah, of huge, which is like really just linked to human uh so yeah. Uh, then I plot this graph, which is so in when people are studying sediments or soil, it's really common to study the carbon and nitrogen ratio ratio. Because it gives us two information. First, the origin of the organic matter. Because you have organic matter, but the ratio of how much carbon you have comparing to how much nitrogen will give you information. For example, uh, acid amine, uh, amino acid in English, mm-hmm. which is like proteins and all these things, uh, linked to proteins, um, you have a lot of nitrogen. Mm-hmm. So we have a low C-C-O-N ratio. Uh, if you're studying woods like lignin, which is a chemical product of wood, there is a lot of carbon, there is not much nitrogen. So if you have organic matter with a high carbon nitrogen ratio, you know it would be more like lignin, woods, this kind of thing. If you have organic matter with a low carbon nitrogen ratio, uh, you will have more nitrogen and it means more like bacterial, amino acids, proteins, small molecules. So it's really important because you can easily know what kind of organic matter you have. And so I plot this graph, which is this ratio, and uh, it's uh, in surface comparing to depth. So you can see uh, the river here, uh, you can see cocoa sediments here, and pacotis sediments here. Also uh, also the C:N ratio will give you another information, which is a decomposition state. Because when you have organic matter, first you have in the organic matter, you have carbon, nitrogen, phosphor, sulfur. But then the bacteria, they first they will decompose nitrogen and all these things. So when the organic matter is getting older and older and older, you will have more and more carbon. It, it will get richer in carbon. So through times the C to N ratio, C over N, C over nitrogen ratio, will get higher because it will get more rich in carbon. So if you have also a high, high, high carbon over nitrogen ratio, it means that the organic matter will be older. For example, petrol, oil, uh, have a really high carbon over N ratio because petrol is a really old organic matter. So. Uh, important information and what we can say about this uh, plot is like uh, first we can see that coco has a lower carbon over nitrogen ratio which means that the organic matter of coco is relatively richer in nitrogen than pacote. so it's important because we have seen that coco mangroves has more carbon no has more organic matter but carbon yeah carbon organic matter but uh, relatively it has more nitrogen. So, it's not the same quality of organic matter we have in pacote and co- uh, It's definitely not the same. The carbon, uh, pacote is relatively richer in carbon. So, pacote has a better carbon storage um, regarding this. And this is also linked to this sewage things, sewage, because the organic matter uh, in sewage is richer in nitrogen and sulfur and less in carbon. So, that's coherent, that's consistent with um, sewage. Also, if you are reading, regarding the river, we can see that Cocoa River is, has also C-to-N ratio lower, and Pagoti River has C-over-N ratio higher. Which means also that, uh, organic matter is likely bring by the river. Could be bring by the ocean, could be bring by the winds or other things, or just by the soil itself. But it bring, I would think it's bring by the river, mostly, this organic matter. I would say this, uh, looking at this graph. Uh, so that's the first important point. And we can also say when we see this graph, for example, you can see that this line represents, I mean, if points are along this line, it means that there is no evolution between surface and depth. Because this line, the equation is, uh, y is equal to x. So it means there is no evolution. You can see that faculty, the points are along the line. So we can see that there is, for there is no evolution of this ratio through depth. So if there is no evolution, because this ratio is linked to decomposition, so if there is no evolution through depths, it means there is not a high decomposition in pacotis through depths, at least between 0 and 20 centimeter depth. Uh, well, so there is two hypotheses. Hence, the re- degradation is lower in pacotis, so which means that bacteria won't uh, decompose very fast. Hence, it can also mean that just there is not many variation of inputs of organic matter. Because for cocoons, there is a difference between surface and depth. But it can mean that, for example, because organic matter of the organic matter that we are, we can find at 20 centimeter depths. It's it's the organic matter that we, that uh, this organic matter uh, lay down, lay in the sediments like uh, 50 years ago. So it just also means that 50 years ago, it was a different organic matter. I'm not sure if you have the point, uh, if I'm mistaken. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, so, yeah, it's difficult to say, uh, is, it a, uh, is it a difference of decomposition or if it's a difference of just a source at the beginning that the organic matter was not the same or there is variation through the years. And this, uh, I think I could assess this with further studies. Um, I can have the answer, but I need more analysis to have the answer. But at least we can say that Pacote there is not much evolution right now. Uh, between 20 centimeter depth and zero centimeter. And also, I can plot this graph because with other research, people have assessed like typical ratio according to what, uh, where the organic matter comes from. So if it's algae, if it's marine organic matter, you will have a ratio between zero and 10. If it's like a mix between marine organic matter and terrestrial organic matter, you will have a ratio like this one in pink. And if you have um, a ratio over 20, it will be mainly terrestrial plants. <clears throat> so this is interesting because you can see that Pakoti, uh, especially downstream, you have a higher contribution of vascular plants, which means that organic matter mainly will come from the mangrove itself, will be just the decomposition of the mangrove itself, of the leaves, of the wood. But for cuckoo, uh, it's more a mix, which mm-hmm. means that you will have a mix between organic matter from the tree, from the leaves, but also from what is bring by the ocean. A guy, uh, ocean is bringing a lot of things. So this graph just show me also where does the organic matter comes from. Then I also plot the carbon over sulfur content, which also give us information. It's the same same idea. Uh, also with all the research that scientists have done, you can see that, uh, for example, if the ratio is over uh, eighteen. Uh, it's more like fresh water. There is no, ma- not many sulfate. Um, if it's brackish means that it's like not a clean water, that it's kind of not really clean. Yeah. In French is saumatre. Mm. Um, so it's not really a clean water, which is typical for mangrove. You can see like typical mangrove ratio or this one in this color. And because it's brackish water with a lot of saline, saline influence due to the sea. So you can see that. Most of the points belong to the typical mangrove ratio, except <laughs> this point really polluted in Goku. So here, I think it doesn't mean that, um, that it's fresh water. It just means that this point is not natural, because this plot is correct only in natural condition. This point is not natural. So it just confirms. So yes, um, pollution. Ah, yeah, we can also see that PAKOTI, just as for the carbon, just as for the carbon over nitrogen ratio, Ratio is higher, which means that the organic matter is richer in carbon. So to conclude, you can see that organic matter in peat, uh, organic matter of Pacote is really rich in carbon. There is not much sulfur, not much nitrogen. Whereas coco, there are way much uh, nitrogen and sulfur, uh, which means that uh, the organic matter of coco will be also easily more easily. Decom- uh, degradable because it's easier to decompose this kind of nature. metabolizable and also we can say that you can tell that at the points are not along the line so sulfur content is really variable through depths so right now I cannot really tell more about this but just I know that sulfur is something that can really vari- that can re- really change along the depths and along this downstream upstream gradients uh, so yeah uh, mangroves are known to have a lot of sulfur. That's why it's really smelly. That's why people used to not like it because it smells like eggs, you know, uh, when you have sulfur. Uh, that's, that's really uh, that's really hard to work in mangroves. It's really smelly, <laughs> and uh, so yeah, it's important to study sulfur. For example, you won't study sulfur in an agricultural soil or not much. But it's not that important, but in mangroves, due to the special condition of this reductive environment with the water, with the sea, you have a lot of sulfur. To conclude, so after, um, yeah, that's my first result. So you can say that i studied two mangroves and we can already say that they have opposite dynamic because carbon is accumulated upstream for Koku and downstream for Pakoti. So that will have an impact about this erosion things. Uh, we will lose more carbon in Pakoti mangroves with the sea level rise. Also, Koku has higher content of carbon, mainly due, mainly due to pollution, but this carbon is a different quality from the carbon of a uh, pacote because the organic matter containing this carbon is like richer in nitrogen and sulfur which is very totally different because it will be it will be less stable because when you have only carbon it's really stable because bacteria doesn't like it but mm. when you have carbon and nitrogen and sulfur it's not stable so i think there is the carbon storage is less efficient in cocoon mangrove. Mm. Uh, it's really less efficient because uh bacteria like this and um, so, yeah, and talking about this depth gradient, uh, through depth, uh, organic matter seems to be more stable than Koku organic matter, which is, yeah, likely linked to this, uh, nitrogen and sulfur things. And, um, yeah, uh, and also, yeah, this difference because that's, that's the subject of my PhD, uh, it's partial contamination. So we have seen that we have a difference of organic matter along upstream, downstream gradient. So, then um, then when I'm going to study the metal complexation, um, I'm expecting to see a difference of metal complexation because I can already see there is a difference of organic matter quality. And it's known in science that if you have a different organic matter, you will have a different complexation because metals will are complexing with different groups of organic matter. Mm-hmm. So I can already tell that I can, ex- I can expect that between upstream and downstream of the mangrove, I will I will have difference of pollution retention and all this, so that will be interesting. So yeah, the main point is this carbon storage uh, and that faculty is storing more carbon downstream and it's richer in carbon. So I will study this in my PhD. And what now? agora no Portuguese, that means what I'm doing now. Uh, so I've done a field trip. In this other mangroves, probably mangrove, so where is this picture, so in fact, I put it, I forgot that I put it. so you can see here picture of the sediments that's why I'm collecting so the first one is downstream and middles and upstream and shrimp farms. so you can see that the color is different, so you know there will have difference of contamination and of uh, organic matter because just seeing by the eyes is different so. I sample sediments and this time I have more depths because my first field trip I have, I had only zero and 20 centimeter depths. But here I have like all the profile ranging from zero to 80 centimeter depths. So that would be interesting to have more points and have a proper time scale. And also it's a different season, uh, because now it's a wet season. So it would be interesting to compare with my first analysis of the dry season. And yeah, I will pursue my studies and have the metal assess the metal presence and complexation. So that that would be interesting. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs>
0: thank you. <laughs> thank you, Helen. Was great. It was, thank you for for your talk and and it was crystal, crystal, crystal sorry crystal clear. And thanks for uh, your, the the popular way you you, you expose your, your your research. It was uh, very easy to understand. Very yeah, powerful. I hope so.
1: That's nice because that was the point. Yeah.
0: Maybe yeah. I will stop the uh, the screening. But first of all, I, I apologize. You, you you don't see me now. I know. I have lost my camera. I don't know why. The magic of uh, okay. But I'm here. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have some some question. First um, is um, your 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 way of investigating this pollution. Is it something that you uh, developed with your lab specifically, or is it something standard to to, to study the pollution of all mangroves around the world? Uh, because my question is, uh, because there are many many other science groups who are studying uh, mangroves in Philippines, in, uh, in in India, or I don't know uh, elsewhere, and maybe they can they can see you and maybe they can apply your technique for themselves, or they are they already using your technique?
1: Yeah, um, honestly, I'm using really easy techniques. Like right now, I don't know yet because it's still the beginning. But right now, just collecting sediments in mangrove. Um, that, in fact, that's why I choose mangrove because um, the good thing in mangrove is like it's so rich in carbon. It's like so dirty, rich in carbon that you don't need to have like a really clean protocol. I'm explaining. For example, uh, in the in my lab, most people are studying the ocean, but the ocean, you know, when you see water. Well, water from the ocean is way more cleaner than the water from the mangrove. So you have to be careful because there is a huge issue of contamination in the ocean. If you want to study properly carbon, you have to be very careful. Everything must be clean and all this. And so you need to have like a yeah protocol which is more strict, more uh, yeah more important and more heavy. And but me in mangrove, that's the good thing. You just have to collect it. You don't care about if it's clean or not because mangrove is so full of carbon, so dirty. That's the good point. So I don't have like, um, yeah, my, my way to sample mangroves is not quite easy. And then back to the lab, But when I'm reading paper, most people are doing this in fact. They are just collecting uh, sediments in the plastic bag and then they are, well, the thing that would be different will be then the extraction. Mm-hmm. You have organic matter, you have to extract it from the sediments. So you can extract it with water, with acid, with basis. It depends what kind of organic matter you want to study, what kind of chemical groups you want to study. Uh, so that's the difference. Um, but for what I'm studying, I'm using kind of classical methods. There is like nothing new. I didn't. I I didn't develop anything. I'm applying what was already found in the past.
0: So just to follow up on on your answer, uh, is uh, did you see in the literature if uh, other mangroves around the world? Have also this tendency to be polluted by human activity, or, or is yeah, it something yeah. in particular of, of the Brazilian yeah, ones? No,
1: no, 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 almost all. It's just it's just polluted by different things. Mm. Uh, Brazil is really shrimp farms, really, because uh-huh. for example, you have mangroves in the Caribbean, and there is no. I think there is not much shrimp farms in the Caribbean, so they mm. won't be polluted the same way. And um, but they will be polluted by plastic. They will be polluted by metals because if you have like an industry of I don't know copper's uh creation yeah copper's uh copper's industry you will have pollution of metals it really depends what is close to the mangrove i know that asia has a lot of problems with plastic and yeah yeah it really depends it's really local but Mm. most of them are polluted.
0: but there is a tendency uh, uh, that uh, that we saw everywhere
1: yeah for example i know that africa it's also with heavy metals Mm. Like mercury, uh, copper. Yeah, Africa has problem because they have a lot of mines and all these things. For example, for them, it's
0: more this. There is also this interesting thing that uh, that the, the the vegetation, you know, the plants of the mangrove are so so strong, you know, to and so resilient to to pollution yeah. that uh, maybe uh, and people think they they are kind of sponges, so they can they can pollute they can pollute. Uh, high so this, this, this vegetation would capture everything and they, are, they they will be fine. But you show with your great photo that just a shrimp from can kill them. So it's not so, they are not so strong. They are, uh, fact, they're are like humans, they have limits. <laughs> there are limits, yeah um and what about uh i have a question also it's just for my uh, let's say for my intellectual uh, curiosity can, do you think that we can trace the 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 precise source of the pollution you study by by uh, organic chemistry analysis, such as uh, rmn and uh and other techniques because uh, you know this carbon that you 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 showed that it uh, it in some part of the of the mangroves maybe we can find exactly what kind of molecule it came from uh, Uh, do you think that is possible or not?
1: Yeah, I'm sure it's possible because, uh, in my previous internship, that was my subject. I was working about tracing, uh, organic matter and metals Mm -hmm. and I did it for soil in India and uranium. Uh, like, for example, yeah, you can, if you have a rocks with uranium, you can more or less know in what kind of country it comes from because like you have this technique in geochemistry, which is because you know what is an isotope. And I don't know if I have to explain again what is an isotope for people listening, but.
0: Uh, yeah, it's no, no, don't, don't enter to the explanation of an isotope. Yeah. Uh, uh,
1: using isotope, uh, you can, because isotope have a specific signature. If you studying ratio of isotope and you can, you can know where everything comes from with isotope. That's a good thing.
2: Absolutely. So
1: you can, because for example, you think that this industry is polluting this site. So we'll take a sample um, of this of what they are producing and you will study the isotope and then we'll compare the signature with what you find in the mangroves and you can know if it comes from here or
0: nowhere. Uh, because um, you, you surely understand why I'm asking this question because if we can uh, identify the exact source of the, the molecule that, that contribute to this carbon pollution, you can then make some policy uh uh Etc. And say, hey guys, stop doing this, or maybe uh, try and find solution. But is it? Yeah. My question is: Is it a, a kind of general pollution? You know, many type of carbon, uh, cont- many type of organic molecules contribute to this carbon pollution, or maybe it's a couple of uh, molecules from precise source. You no know? as I said in my in my previous question, you know about uh, you know the the human uh, fruits
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean. Uh, it's kind of obvious where the pollution comes from, because, for example, Rio Cucu, um, it's in the city, so you know that it's sewage things, mm-hmm. and Jaguari was a shrimp farms, you know it's a shrimp farm, like it's not a mm-hmm. local pollution, it's like big, like you can see all the shrimp farms next to it, mm-hmm. and the issue in Brazil is not to know where that comes from, everybody knows where it comes from, <laughs> I mean, it's been two months I'm here, I know where it's come from. The problem is then to the law. I mean, yeah. not, nobody. I mean, this is the problem.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like we all know that shrimp farms are killing mangroves, but just agriculture, especially in Brazil or in France also, but especially in Brazil has so much power that right now I think it's too soon for people doing. I think in the future there will be law. Uh, for example, it's it's interesting because this week in Sierra a new law has been applied. Like now it's forbidden in the state to pulverize. uh um, toxic products for agriculture with plane. It used to be legal until this week, that you have planes just uh, pouring uh, products on the land, and it's illegal from now, so things are moving, that's really mm-hmm. good, like, they're doing more and more things, but it takes time, and yeah, it's politics, not science mm-hmm. anymore.
0: And just to remind the importance of this mangrove and, and the destruction of the mangroves, uh, so the, um, the, in terms of kilometers at the coast, uh What is the percentage of you know, the mangrove destroying by 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 human or directly or indirectly? do you have this uh, numbers or
1: uh it's difficult to assess how much we have lost since the beginning because mangroves have it's not uh it's not recently that people are destroying the mangroves mm-hmm. uh it's been really a long time because it's like swamps you know in middle age uh, in europe we have done we have destroyed all the swamps because it mm-hmm. was like a, a place of disease. So it's been like thousand years, and I mean, since human exists, they are destroying more, mong- well, no, they are using it, but a lot of people just destroyed it because it was like a place of mosquito, of disease, mm-hmm. and all these things. So we cannot really know how much they used to have, they used to be. Well, right now, the good the good news is like there are many places where you have more mangroves than you used to be 100 years ago. Because,
2: mm-hmm.
1: for example, in Brazil, even in Fortaleza, uh, the mangroves I'm studying now, they are bigger than they used to be 50 years ago. Hmm. Because they are growing them again and all these things, but it's difficult to assess. But mo- mo- main, um, a lot of mongrels has been lost. I would say, hmm. like, when you say, I think you have, I have for Asia, uh, uh figures. Wait, I will, I have a figure. And, um, yeah, I think it's really, oh, if I'm opening my PhD, because I'm, <laughs> um, um uh, what I want to say, about mangroves, yeah, but also uh, things to know is that like, mangroves are not going that much inland because mangroves are depending on the sea, so yeah. it's really a coastal. So at the beginning, it was not a huge ecosystem. It has never been a huge ecosystem mm-hmm. uh, because it's really.
0: But what is fascinating with mangroves uh, compared to the to the internal uh, tropical forest of uh, Amazonia is uh, is that uh, when you destroy uh, the, the Amazonian forest. It takes uh, one million years, you know, to, to, to recover. But mangroves mm-hmm. have, a, have, a, have a higher turnover, you know? They, yeah, they
1: yeah. Can yeah, that's, that's, um, uh, for example, I have, a, I have, an, yeah. yeah. But that, that's the good thing about mangroves is like it's growing really, really fast. It's growing really mm-hmm. fast. And, but still, still, you don't have, as I told you in the beginning, you don't have the same, um, you don't have the same um, property of a mangrove forest, which is like 200 years old and one that... Is, even if it's growing fast, it's not the same mongrel that you have back, you
0: know. Yeah, yeah, it's so juvenile, true. and it's, it's not the same that uh, that were there uh, and produced from uh, from hundreds years or one thousand years. So of course, it's not, not the same. Yeah,
1: but it's yeah. I mean, Amazonia. If we're losing Amazonia, we'll never have it again. That's sure. You Absolutely. will have mongrels again. That's the mongrel. So I have a figure by the early nineteenth. Fifty percent of the mongrel progress. I don't see. I
0: don't see it. I don't see it.
1: Okay, so I will, I will read it. Um, oh, okay, sure. It.
0: Okay, sorry.
1: By the early 90s, 50% of the mangrove forest in Thailand and 21% of the mangroves, of the mangroves in Ecuador dis- disappeared because of shrimp ponds. Wow. So you have half of the forest in Thailand and mm. 20 in Ecuador. This was in the 90s. Well, I know that now in Thailand they're going to do some forestation again. So now you have a little bit more than you used to, but yeah, half. half of. Mm-hmm. And shrimp
0: ponds, so shrimp farms uh, again. Okay, <laughs> this shrimp. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, it's fascinating. And uh, and what about the future? So, what is what? What are you? You said you said me at the beginning of the talk that you will come back to Brazil, right?
1: France, uh, uh, right now I'm in Brazil.
0: Ah, uh, right now you are in Brazil. Yeah, right
1: now okay. it's like about one pm half, and, and I'm super hungry. <laughs>
0: Okay. Uh, well, uh, thank you so much. It was so great to have you and for your explanation. I, I really loved your your presentation. Very clear. And uh, I think uh, many people will like it and we maybe contact you to, to discuss with you. So um, you don't have yet a LinkedIn profile. So I, I, I advise you to, to make one because there are many people are here who can be interested by your work and contact you. Uh, so, I will, of course, share all your, uh, all your, let's say, uh, official uh, link uh, to, to the lab, etc., so people you want to contact me. Yeah. yeah, I
1: mean, with my mail of, of the lab, uh, people can contact me.
0: Yes, of course. Thank you so much for being my guest, and it was really a real pleasure to have you today.
1: Yeah, and thank you for me. It was also nice, because it's allowed me to make, like, um, you know, um, a sh- uh, make, like, how, how can I say, like, to just make things clear for me as well, because it was like doing um, a resume of, of my work. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah it was a crystal clear. Thank Put you so much. Nice. See you soon. Bye.
2: Bye-bye. Thank you.